0: Hi, I'm Jane Hilsden, Marketing Consultant and Founder of Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's our mission at Dragonfly Marketing to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally based small business in Australia. Why? Well, because we know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. We believe small businesses are the backbone of our nation. When your business grows, it benefits not only you and your family, it benefits your whole community. Small businesses create a vibrant and connected economy. We employ local people, we donate to local charities, and we work together to build resilient and thriving regional communities. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. And now to introduce this episode's guest, Remy Audette is an SEO copywriter and content marketer who loves breaking down the mystery behind SEO and helps small businesses take control of their content so they can grow online. So for those who are not familiar with the term SEO, it stands for Search Engine optimization, and it is essentially a marketing tactic that will help your website become more visible on Google when someone enters search terms related to your business. So Remy has actually worked for some of Australia's biggest brands including Officeworks and Kmart, as well as a number of small businesses. And she believes that every business, no matter their budget, should have the ability to create quality content that helps them to rank well on Google. Amen to that, Remy. Could not agree more. So let's hear more from Remy. Hi, Remy, and welcome to the How To Do Marketing Show. Hi, how are you? Really, really well, thanks, and um, excited to be talking to you today. Um, copywriting is, is definitely one of the t- marketing tasks that I find the most interesting <laughs> and really love picking experts like yourself's brains upon. So looking forward to, to hearing everything you have to say. And before we kick off and get into all of the technical nitty-gritty Um, I do like to ask all of my guests uh, the same question, and it's about why they do what they do. So what is it that you love in particular about writing, Remy?
1: Um, Well, I love writing because I've always had an interest in psychology and human behaviour, but I always found um, that I was very a bit more creative than, you know, just being a psychologist. So um, I was always good at English and I always just found I gravitated towards writing. I mean, I would always write the um, fake, you know, blah, blah, forgot their homework notes at school. Um, So I was always able to have, you know, a bit of an adult tone of voice even when I was younger. Um, And I think that just naturally um, progressed into, you know, studying communications at uni um, and then eventually writing for um, digital marketing. And I think it's the... I love connecting with people through words and helping solve problems and providing solutions And in terms of SEO copywriting, I find it really rewarding because it's a bit more measurable um, than a lot of other forms of writing. You know, Mm. I can see that a page is climbing up the rankings um, and it's almost a bit like a game. So I love um, just being able to help business owners um, through SEO copywriting as well. I love it. It Sounds like you take a really kind of creative
0: um, uh, approach to, to that writing. And I love your story about... Um, providing the notes. And, <laughs> yeah. and you'll be pleased to know that they still do do the old notes, the notes for no <laughs> uniform and, yes, and all of yes. that sort of stuff. And, yeah, my kids are are uh, being creative with those, just as I'm sure you were back in <laughs> those days. That's yep. hilarious. So so you're a copywriter and you've, your business is called Remy Audet Copywriter you help businesses grow through content. I love that you've expressed that you have that drive to kind of really see that result from your writing. So it is creative, but it is also very results driven, your copywriting, which is not something a lot of copywriters say. So I'm really interested to kind of deep dive into that. And, and so I guess where that will keep us is really focused in that, that website and that blog content where, where you're yep. kind of referring to that SEO purpose of, of your copy. And yep. I love that, as you said, that you're, you're kind of really results-driven in terms of the words that you write. Yes, there's creativity but, you know, there's results behind it as well. Yeah. So if we can start specifically with blogs, blog content on, on websites, why is it important for small business owners to consider blogging as part of their marketing activity?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of misconception around blogging um, in business, and I'm sure there are a lot of people in marketing who think that blogging is dead, but I don't actually agree. I think why so many people in the industry don't think blogging is relevant anymore is because a lot of the time people blog because they think they have to, and that's not what blogging for your business is about. You should be having a plan. You shouldn't just be writing content for the sake of it. Um, It should have a purpose. And this isn't just for the customer who is reading your blog. It's also for the business owner because a lot of people are already time poor. They're already trying to do everything. You know, you want to make sure that the content you write is not for nothing um, to make Mm. sure it's, you know, a valuable use of your time as well.
0: Mm. and why so so if they you know if they put that plan together and they you know go okay you know I I need to incorporate some blogging into into my my business and my marketing why is it important like what are some of the benefits that they might get from from kind of prioritizing that and doing that properly
1: so People, when they go online to research something and it's about 81% of people start their purchase journey with online research, um, you can't just expect to put your product or service out there without having proof points. So, Mm. you know, these can be reviews, these can be testimonials, but a lot of the time you know people want to see more than that they want to know why you're doing what you're doing they want to know what you're doing they want to know the ins and outs Um, Mm -hmm. and blogs are really helpful for providing that extra content without overloading a web page which is probably more for actually selling your product rather than explaining it so you know you have the content on your website it's there if people want to read more about it Um, Mm -hmm. but you're not overloading the customer when they get to a web page
0: Yeah, 100%, could not agree with you more. Um Blog posts tend to be kind of written with that value yeah. um, purpose, so they're they're written to kind of give the five tips about writing SEO copy or yes. they're written to demonstrate a, you know a story that illustrates you know why you should use SEO in your in your marketing
1: yeah. um,
0: as opposed to that to that web page which might be you know here's all the b- benefits that you'll get by working yeah. with us or or whatever. So so it gives opportunity, it gives, um, I guess, your website visitor an opportunity to understand what it is you do in practice as opposed yes, to understand yeah. your sales speak. I think that's a really, really good point that you raise there because um, I agree. I think other people might, might, some people think that blogs are just an extension of their we do this and we do that and we do mm. this where it's more of a demonstration. I think that's a really, really good point. So... That kind of, that's, that's kind of straightforward when it comes to, to service providers, like a lot of service providers can blog because they can talk about the service that they, they provide and, and how they actually, you know, provide that or not, yeah. really, you know, not sell it, but as we've just explained, demonstrate yeah. how their service kind of works. What about chemists or retailers or you know doctor's surgeries like should every business blog or is it just those kind of you know profession, you know lawyers marketers salespeople accountants
1: so i think that every business should have content on their website that is helpful and relevant for their customers and this could come in the form of a blog it could also come in the form of an faqs page or a product fact sheet or buying guides and considering so many people are performing a lot of online research you should definitely have a website that has all of that content ready to go um, and I think in this kind of environment it only shows how important an online presence is for every kind of business even bricks and mortar um, stores having said that though there may be some businesses where a blog isn't necessarily relevant so I think a restaurant um, Mm. might not find use. Of a blog because choosing a restaurant is fairly cut and dry um, Mm. based on if you're hungry, what you're hungry for and where you're located. The Mm. decision-making process is a lot shorter. And after you've consumed the product, that's kind of where the relationship ends. So you're not going to need a lot of content in a blog to convince someone to go to your restaurant. Um, It's more, you know, the images of the food that are the real heroes, but that's content in itself. It's just not blog content.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 No. I think that's a that's a really good example. Um, okay. Good. So the, it's definitely suited to some businesses more than others. But would you say that the point is really about having that dynamic content? So even though. A, a restaurant might not have, as you said, as they might not have a blog, for example. But the images will be the hero of, of or even the testimonials for, for for a restaurant. So would that kind of be the dynamic element? And is it important to have that dynamic element? Like, say, for example, as you suggested, like the frequently asked questions. Like someone might have frequently asked questions. Do you suggest that that's like, uh, you know, ever, you know, those frequently asked questions are always being updated or or is it OK to have static kind of information these days with, with Google?
1: I think you should always be updating content on your site. If not for the customer's sake, you know, if you get new questions, you might have, might have thought, oh, I didn't know that people were actually wondering that. It might not be the first person that's going to ask you and maybe that person was the only person that decided to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but also from Google's perspective, it likes fresh content. It likes to see business owners keeping up. Um, and so, yes, you should definitely be um, looking at your content and updating it where you can
0: yeah excellent okay cool so can you run through like if we go back to to the to the blog content can you run through what a best practice blog post looks like so like this is the kind of technical nitty-gritty so word count structure some of those seo considerations that you're talking about
1: Yep. So the great or I guess bad thing about SEO is that nothing is certain. So Google likes to keep SEO specialists on our toes. And while we know there are factors that definitely influence search engine rankings, we can never be truly sure. So if there are any SEO specialist listings, listening, you might not agree with what I say, but from my experience, this is what I've um, done and what I believe a best practice blog looks like. So- You want to be writing blogs that are minimum 500 words. Um, There have been a lot of studies that show that blogs with sort of 1,500 to 2,000 words of content do better. But, you know, I've had blogs rank for competitive keywords that are only 500 words. So the most important thing is the actual content in those blogs, not Mm -hmm. necessarily the word count.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. So at least 500,
1: did you say? At least least 500. 500. Yeah, and that's all web pages as well.
0: Yeah, okay, right.
1: Um, So what we want to do next is choose a topic um, and a keyword or a long tail keyword, which is a keyword that's a couple of words long, um, you know, based off you know commonly asked search queries or commonly asked questions that you're getting so you might take questions from your FAQs page and turn those into blogs. Um, So you want to focus on specific keywords and include those keywords in the title tag, meta description, the blog heading, and a couple of times in the content. What you don't want to do is use it too many times. Um, That's keyword stuffing and it's kind of, um, it used to get used a lot to sort of signal to Google, you know, this page is about, you know, chocolate cake, but really it would make the copy um, unreadable. So Mm. Google decided, no, there's a certain amount of times you should use that keyword on a page anymore and your content isn't helpful for the customer Um, And so it's kind of what we call a black hat tactic, which is sort of like the cheater's way of getting a good Mm. ranking for a certain Mm. keyword. Mm. Okay, cool. I'm moving one of my questions up the list because
0: you've mentioned a couple of technical terms there, meta descriptions, title tags. There's also another couple of descriptions, image, um, image, alt text, and h1 text and i see those those little definitions i mean i know what i what they mean because i'm in there all the time (laughs) but i think there's going to be a lot of listeners who don't know what on earth you're talking about so can we start with meta descriptions what is a meta description
1: so the meta description um sits in your website's backend, so um the html and it's about 160 characters that summarizes a web page content in Google search results. So when you Google something, it's the little um, copy that kind of tells you what the page will be about, kind of like a preview or a synopsis of the page.
0: And who writes that and where do you write that? Like, so say, for example, you're writing a blog post. Yep. There, there, is there a section within that blog post of your, your website that, that asks you to write the meta description or, or will it just take it from the content that you've written elsewhere on the page?
1: Well, you should be writing the meta description um, in the blog in the back end. So if you're using like a Squarespace or a WordPress blog for a customer to read, um, but if Google doesn't think that your meta description suits the search term, it'll actually pull whatever copy it thinks from your blog and pulls that into the meta description
0: now that just froze halfway through your description so <laughs> it was just like it, it just did like a slow mo yeah. and so i'm not sure whether it cut stuff out and then cut back in again or whether it um uh whether it just All cut it out so we'll just ask we'll it. just so what was the question i asked um uh,
1: where to put the meta
0: description yeah yeah so we
1: yeah
0: yeah so just start that okay. one again yeah
1: So if you're using um, a platform like WordPress or Squarespace or Shopify, it'll actually have a section where you can write your meta description. It won't actually appear on the blog content for your customers to see. Having said that though, if, Google um, wants to present your blog on search results, but it doesn't think the meta description is helpful or relevant, it might actually pull some copies straight from your blog. Um, so it'll override that copy that you've provided.
0: So should we be writing that meta description when, whenever we do a blog? Should we be looking out for that section and writing that synopsis ourselves to make sure that that's our words? Or do you think it's better that Google pulls it based on what they think?
1: The problem is that we can't actually control what Google pulls and it could yeah. pull something that's completely doesn't actually tell the reader what's going to be in the blog. Uh-huh. So definitely every single meta description should be individually written.
0: Right. Perfect. So we've got to actually write the, put the title in, write the blog post, look for the meta description and write that synopsis of, of what the article or what that page is all about. What about a title yeah. tag? What's that?
1: So the title tag also sits in the back end um, and it specifies the title of a web page. So when you go into the Google search results, it's the larger text on top of the meta description. Um, It tells the user what the page is about. um, And it's really important that the main keyword of your page is in the title because Google actually, um, that's sort of a ranking factor that Google will use to consider where your page sits in search engine rankings
0: okay right so you must in the title tag you must have the the same word in your title tag as you do in the title like the actual title of your web page or your blog page is that right so it might be about um um, five ways to write your marketing budget for example Um, And so you would want, so that's the title, five ways to create a marketing budget. And then in your title tag, you would want the word budget or marketing.
1: Well, you would probably use create a marketing budget. That would be a long tail keyword. And while it doesn't have to be the exact same in your um, title tag as it is in your heading, because the title tag is quite limited with characters as well. It's only, I think about, 50 to 55 characters it should include that keyword and it can be a summary so if your blog is five ways to create a marketing budget your title tag might be create a marketing budget um, slash whatever your business name is
0: Ah, okay right gosh this is technical
1: now what about the image alt text what does that mean so Sometimes they're referred to as alt tags or alt descriptions. And it's the written copy that appears in place of an image if um, the image fails to load on a screen. Um, This also helps visually impaired users um, as it will describe the image to them when they're using a reader. And it'll also help search engines better crawl and rank your website because um, Google can't actually read images. So it's really important that every single image um, has a description of what that image is um, in your website. So if
0: Google's searching the um, uh, alternative text, I'm assuming it stands for, um, for for the image, does it does it mean that we should be strategic with the keywords that we use for those images so say for example in the case of a marketing budget the marketing budget article should I be using marketing budget or create a marketing budget as my image alternative text
1: yeah so you should be including your keyword in there if it's is relevant if because you're still, you're still having to describe it truthfully. Um, but I mean, if you have a blog about creating marketing budget, I assume that any images you put in your blog will be related. Will relate, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, okay. Yep. That, that makes sense. Um, what about the H1 text? What does that mean?
1: So this is an HTML tag that indicates the heading um, on a web page. So it helps Google understand the hierarchy of the page and the H1 um, text should be the most prominent on your page. And then as you go down, you start seeing um, and using the H2 tags, the H3 tags and so on. So these are the headings. So
0: heading Um, one,
1: heading two. Yeah, heading one, heading two, heading three. So obviously it helps um, the user navigate through the copy and it helps Google understand what the page is about. So your blog heading would be an H1 tag or your um, website page heading would be the H1 tag.
0: And if you've got a word uh, if you've got a website that's WordPress or something, that will just literally be in your kind of editing tools, you know, put the heading, heading one in and then you'll write your heading. Yeah. And then heading two. So I guess the significance of the heading one, heading two, heading three, does it mean that like the the most important heading to Google will be the 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 actual article heading? Heading two will be the second most important heading, heading three yes. will be the third, and so it'll kind of the spiders will rank it as opposed you know um according to that is that how it works
1: yeah they'll be able to understand what the page is about like from your um title like from the um the title of your blog so the h1 and then as it goes down um it'll start to sort of give it more context and it means the user knows that it should read the they should read the title first and then go down um the list of the different headings as well
0: yeah right okay great that 's some great little technical descriptions there with 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 um, I think a few definitions that that uh, a lot of our listeners might have seen but not really <laughs> understood so that 's yeah. great. Um, where do you see a lot of businesses go wrong with their blog writing or even their website copy
1: so I think when you 're writing your own website copy, a lot of business owners are so excited about their own products that they focus a lot on their offering and not about the customer or what problem they're helping the customer solve. So there has to be a really even balance between showing off the features of your product or service and showing the customer how your product or service um, can help them. Um, In terms of blogging, I mentioned earlier that um, blogging without a plan won't help anyone. Um, So don't start a blog because someone else is doing it or because someone told you to. Um, And this is usually where a a content marketing strategy is a great um, thing to do because it helps you identify if blogs are the right type of content for your business and what content and subject matter you could be creating, um, Mm -hmm. whether that's a blog or something else to actually help your customers with the purchase decision.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, great. So I guess then it's really the the worst thing that you can do is to not have a plan in terms of how does this blog fit into your marketing ecosystem? How does it help your customer? And how does it help add value to, to the business? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. What are your top tips for writing a blog trust that sorry blog post that will really help build trust with prospective customers? I mean you've mentioned there that a lot of people can turn their prospective customers off by making it all about them. You know, we do this and we do that and we're the best because of this and we have this product instead of kind of empathizing with the customer and and yeah. allowing them to kind of see how that product fits into their life. What would you say is a good way to approach a blog that will will help kind of demonstrate that empathy and build trust?
1: So I would definitely start with um, a content marketing strategy and you can either hire someone to do this or there's plenty of information um, on Google that will help you identify the gaps in your content. So maybe there isn't enough awareness content. So this is content that helps introduce your offering to the customer or even helps the customer identify that they have a problem that your offering could solve. Um, You might find that there isn't enough post-purchase content because the customer journey doesn't finish once the offering has been booked or purchased, you need to make sure that everything you write has a purpose um, and everything is helping the customer with that journey, whether it's the start, middle or, you know, their post-purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't even have to be directly related to your product or service either. Like you should be writing blogs that help position yourself as an expert and helps show your customer that you know what you're talking about. Um, so for an example, if you were a photographer, you um, you know, a great blog to write would be how to take the best pictures with a smartphone because you're not going to replace your service as a professional photographer, but you're still... um providing your customer with valuable, helpful content and giving them a really good experience. And this means that they'll probably be more likely to recommend you to someone if they ever ask for a photographer or come back and, you know, see what else you have on your blog. Um, And it may take a long time, but eventually they might even turn into your customer because they can see that you really know your stuff. Mm, mm. So I like
0: that. So in terms of looking at your, your blog content and your website content, understanding because I think what a lot of small businesses do, they forget that their obvious is not their customer's obvious. So sometimes they'll that because they know their subject so well and they have so much context and detail about what they sell, they'll forget that people who are visiting the website have never heard of the business, potentially, you know, they might have just, you know, accidentally landed there or come there from a search that they were searching for something in particular, but they've never heard of their business. They don't understand what they do. They don't understand the product or the service that they sell. You know, they're at the beginning of their journey. So sometimes when you get in there and you're, you're re, you know, you're using lots of technical jargon or you've, you know, kind of assuming that people have this knowledge about what you sell or what you do or what your brand is, you can lose people because people are like, know ah, what the hell they're talking <laughs> about? Yeah, yes. I, I'm going, Yeah, you know, I don't have time for this. I'm off. Yes. I'm off to the next website. So I think your point there around, you know, have you got the content in there? The 101 you know the yep. foundations welcome and here's you know a synopsis about what we do in layman's terms and then have you got the content that people might graduate to once they've actually got a little bit more context and foundation about your business they want to find out more that's when they can deep dive or perhaps a more qualified cost customer who might find the basic kind of content really simple you know might want to dive into that more technical stuff have you got something there for that person? Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, what about the link between search engine optimization and a business's online website copy? I mean, we're we're talking here about the, I guess the the functional kind of framework in terms of well, you you know, you need to put your meta tag descriptions in in and a, and a header, and it needs to be kind of this long. Um, in terms of of making it visible on Google, which is what search engine optimization is all about, but what's the link between you know that that real that that real visibility online and the actual copy that someone includes on on their website?
1: Yeah, so. When you are optimizing your website, um, you're basically adding elements that help Google Google crawl your website and then index it. So, there are the three main factors. You've got technical, which is sort of how well your site is set up. You've got backlinks, which is, you know, how many websites are linking to yours and the content. Um, and the content sort of is how relevant and helpful the website content is and what keywords are on that page. So, in terms of um, SEO and online website copy, you want to be showing Google that your website um, shows off your expertise, your authoritativeness and your trustworthiness. So as an SEO copywriter, it's my job to include certain keywords in a website um in website copy and lay it out in a certain way which will um, kind of ping to google that you know this is what this content is about and you should be if someone searches for these keywords this is the site you should be putting up Um, Mm -hmm. but it should also be providing the customer with all the information they need about your business while still providing those important seo elements because at the heart of seo is customer experience Mm -hmm. Every you do, you should always do for the customer and the SEO optimization will follow because, you know, people searching on Google are Google's customers and Mm. Google needs to make sure that it's providing its customers with the best possible experience. Otherwise, they're not going to be searching on Google and they won't be able to get businesses to advertise and spend money with Google. So when you optimize your site to make it, you know, amazing for the customer, give them an amazing experience, Google will reward you for that.
0: Is it a hard balance to strike, Remy? Is that hard to do? Like to get that, that balance right in terms of customer-facing content versus, versus the technical stuff? Because I know as a, I mean, I've written a lot of blog posts in my time and I write creatively and I think I write for the customer. And then at one point I was actually contributing content for another site and they became quite focused on us really optimizing our articles for search. And so I found then it would take me double the amount of time to write the blog post because I'm like, oh, I don't want to use that. But that first, that word just doesn't make sense in the first paragraph or the, you know, or the title, or, or or whatever, because there was obviously a lot more, more yeah. lot more technicalities that went went into it than than we've just spoken about. But around your point, around kind of getting that balance between having the keywords in the right place and actually writing for the customer, and also because a lot of small business owners are not intuitive writers, you know, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's it's a lot of kind of pressure. And yes, you you can outsource it, and that's definitely one one option. And I think if if blogging is a big part of your ecosystem it's, it might even be worth outsourcing it, particularly if writing is really not your skill yeah but but do you find that that it does inhibit your flow when you're writing like having to put all of this technical kind of stuff behind it
1: Well, the copy should always be making sense. So when I hear people say, you know, oh, they told me I needed to put, you know, this exact sentence in, if it doesn't flow well, you know, someone's still going to be reading it and they're going to be turned off. Mm. Um, Your, you know, your copy, if you have a really good um, tone of voice, like brand language, you know, like let's say go to skincare or who gives a crap, Mm. you should still be writing in that tone of voice. It's just that you might, you know, instead of saying, something one way, you might just include the keyword in it, but you still have to make sure um, that it makes sense. And, Mm. you know, for blogs, it might also just be... um, Laying it out in a certain way, so making sure there are no big paragraphs, because we know that people only read about twenty-eight percent of words on a on an online page. So breaking up those big paragraphs, which is helpful for the customer and Google, um, using lots of subheadings and bullet points, which again is helpful for the customer and Google. So I think there's definitely a way to do it, mm. um, and you know if you don't want to particularly outsource you can always just you know send it to someone and say hey you know do you find this blog interesting do you find it easy to read um and then you know you can ask an seo person to have a quick look and they might say yeah well you might actually want to break this paragraph up because it's a bit too long um yeah there's definitely yes things like that there's definitely ways to you know have a balance of both Yeah,
0: interesting. Now you actually perform SEO audits for businesses and they sound interesting. Can you run through what an SEO audit is and what it is that you can pick up in these audits, but also what are some of the recommendations that you generally make off the back of these audits?
1: Yeah, so um, an SEO audit is basically when you review a website to make sure it's SEO optimized. So you review every single page, all the on-page elements, the content, and the technical um, parts of the website. So it can be used to identify if there are any elements on the website that could be affecting how Google um, crawls and indexes it, or even how a customer navigates through your website. Um It's best done when your website has been made live to make sure that everything is set up correctly. So if you launch your website um, and there are important SEO elements that are missing or they're broken, Google might not crawl your site and you'll miss out on that really valuable organic traffic. Um, And, you know, if things are broken, it might also affect how good the customer experience is um, on your website as well. So because I'm an SEO copywriter, I put a bit more focus on on on-page SEO elements and content. Mm. Um, I also provide technical recommendations, but there are some SEO specialists that focus more on the technical side. So if... The websites I usually review, they usually have minimal technical issues because they're built with, you know, WordPress and Shopify and Squarespace, and they're usually quite good um, mm. for that stuff. But, you know, for custom build websites or enterprise, you know, really big company websites, I'll usually send it to an SEO agency that I work with who specialize more in technical SEO because there's more likely to be more technical issues um, that need to be fixed. Mm. Um So when I do give recommendations, I'll usually look at what the website is looking like on Google and you know, the current website data. Um, I do a bit of keyword research to see what keywords the business should be targeting and then I'll review the title tags meta descriptions, H1 tags um, and I'll usually write them out so that the business owner can easily just copy and paste and put it into their website straight away they don't have to worry about doing it themselves. Um, I'll also look at the image alt text you know making sure every image um, has text behind it Um, and I'll look at the content and you know how helpful it is and if there needs to be more keywords added or if there are opportunities to make it more SEO optimized with subheadings and bullet points. Um, And then I'll look at technical factors, you know, like page speed um, and things like that. So I always like to make sure that the recommendations are really easily implemented and that the business owners learn something so they can start identifying these things as well, because I Mm. think that um, you should definitely be across seo you don't have to be an expert but you should sort of know what you're looking for because you're going to be the one creating new web pages and Mm. you need to make sure those web pages are set up properly
0: Mm, mm. so i imagine that's something that uh, a small business owner could you know do as a one-off so if they've had this website if they're not getting the traffic if they're not thinking that the website is their website is performing They could, you know, come to someone like yourself and go, can you just give it an audit and just make sure. And I I find this personally when, you know, the the business owner has been really hands on in the setup and the content creation of that site and just hasn't realized that you have to fill in your meta descriptions, that you have to kind of have some sort of, you know, um, idea about where the keywords go and how, you know, the headings and the subheadings and that sort of stuff. Um, which is great because you know, fantastic that they're so hands on with their with their yeah. website site and giving it a good shot. But it could be you know, if you're not, if your website's really not delivering in terms of actually getting you in front of Google search traffic, maybe you just need someone with you know that kind of expert eye just to come in and review everything and and make sure everything's kind of tickety boo. That yeah, that definitely. makes a lot of sense. And one of your blog posts, speaking of kind of SEO providers and and you're obviously the, the copy and the content specialist and then there's the technical providers as well who who will assess the backlinks and the you know the technical setup of the of the website. One of your blog posts on your website actually recommends questions that people can ask a potential SEO provider. So if people are not getting the results that that they're kind of looking for with their website and they want to go and outsource their SEO, you've got some recommended questions that they can ask those SEO providers because let's face it, there's, there's, you know, some of the SEO providers have, have not got the best reputation and I think, you know, some small business owners really, even if the SEO provider is doing a good job, they just don't understand what they should be looking for, you know, and yeah. what the SEO, because a lot of it is invisible, you know, it is yeah. in the back end. And it's, and, and I'd love to ask you about some of those measurements too, that, that you're doing, but, but yeah, what questions can people ask when they, when they actually go to go and outsource to an SEO um, provider?
1: Yeah. So you're a hundred percent right. So, the SEO industry is still quite new to Australia. And unfortunately, there are a lot of, um, sorry, did I just say SEO industry or SEO agency? Regardless, I'm going to start again. Okay. Um, So the SEO industry is still relatively new to Australia. So there are a lot of agencies and specialists who take advantage of business owners that aren't as knowledgeable about SEO. And if you're only, um, if you're in the SEO industry, it's sort of only then that you know who the good ones and bad ones are. Um, You know, I always recommend learning the basics of SEO or any form of marketing before you outsource it. So you can, you know, really interact and make use of your specialist or your agency. And when it comes to outsourcing SEO, I always recommend asking um, the following questions. So first thing to ask, can you get me to the first position of Google? Um, While it's the goal of every SEO specialist, you cannot ever guarantee a first position ranking. Google might change their algorithm or it might, you know, do an update which changes a certain ranking factor. So if their answer is yes, do not go with them because (laughs) it is an empty promise and they cannot guarantee that.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: the second one is to ask them about their SEO strategy, because there are so many different ways to use SEO to grow your business and your specialist should be able to show you what strategy they're going to be using. You know, it could be that they're doing a lot of backlink outreach. So, you know, getting your blog posts on other, um, sites and getting them to point back to your website. It could be, um, through content. So putting more web pages on your site and, you know, doing, um, local SEO, you know, or improving your Google My Business page or, you know, helping fix your site if there's a lot of technical issues. But you should also always ask them what they're actually planning on doing because it's not just enough to, to do SEO on your website. They should have a specific list of what they're going to be um, going to be doing. Um, The next question is, what will you be reporting on? So they should be providing a monthly report um, and they should be able to explain the results to you. Um, You know, just remember though that it can take sort of from three months to a year to fully see the results from SEO, but generally you should see a positive trend. Um, I think there was a really interesting quote I read recently that was um, paid ads um, is like going to the store and SEO is like growing your own vegetables. It can take a little bit, but when you do it, the, um, the results are so rewarding um, and so good for your business.
0: Interesting. I love that analogy. That's, that's, that's a really good one. So paid so paid advertising is just like going to the store and get, picking it up off the shelf and having that immediate convenience and yep. then SEO is about building and cultivating and nurturing but the, the result is, is more sustainable. And that's certainly my experience too. And and I would say for some small businesses, you, that, that's exactly why you might need to look at both. So while the SEO is cultivating yes. and that, that veggie patch is growing and the seedlings... Things are kind of being nurtured, yeah. You know, slap in there with some some paid ads to kind of get that immediate flow through, and
1: yeah.
0: Um, you know, obviously the, the the SEO reports, and this is where I think a lot of small businesses do get a little bit lost, is because they just see these reams of numbers and all of these words and descriptions and titles and things that they just don't understand what that means. So I think you know our chat today certainly has has cleared up some of the stuff with the with the SEO um, in terms of how to create the the search engine opt- optimization opportunities with the blog. But with the measurements, like so, when they are giving those reports, I mean, the first thing I would say is just don't be afraid to ask questions and sit there and go, But mm-hmm. what does that mean? But why? But why do you do, you know, and what does what, but how does that affect things? So, ask questions, be curious, and if they don't have the tolerance for those questions, then they're probably not the right provider for you because there should be you know, complete transparency, if they're doing a good job, they should be proud and they should actually want you to value that, you know, they should actually want you to understand that. But are there some key metrics? Like you were saying, you know, sometimes you can see the effect of your copy and I would imagine some of your audits and you can see the, the results of that and they might not be next week. But what are, what are some of the key metrics that you do look, look at for, for SEO effectiveness?
1: Yeah, so I would start with um, the website traffic source. So your traffic coming from um, it should be you know, natural search or organic search, organic traffic, um, and you should be starting to see an increase of that. Keyword rankings increasing. So you know, if you go to an SEO specialist or an SEO agency, they will be able to provide. Um, firstly of um, all the keywords your website is currently ranking for and then they will probably do keyword research to find keywords for your website and they will track those. And everything they do will be to get those keywords up the rankings because we all know, you know, you only really click on the first couple of results. No one ever goes really onto page two. So the main goal is um, the keyword rankings up. Now, once you do that, you should also um, they should go through rate. So once your um, once your website is on, you know the first page of Google, seeing how many people click through to your website over, you know, show you, um, and also time on um, and bounce rate. So time on page um, is about how much time a user is spending on your page. Are they interacting with it? Um, You know, and this could be, you know, if you've got good time on page, it might mean that you are, you know, putting the right content. If you don't have a good time on page, it could just be that um, the value, you know, if it's on a sales page, the value of what you're trying to sell is not getting across. They're sort of not bothering to read it. Um, And that's why, you know, laying out your copy in a certain way is really important. Um, and it, when, when it comes to bounce rate, that is um, the measure of how many people are coming to your site and then immediately leaving. So, um, you know, it should be measured on a page by page basis. So, a fast exit onto another page of your website might just mean that you've given all the right information which made their decision really easy and they've decided to go, you know, further into your website. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should be looking at your bounce rate along with um, keyword rankings and, you know, your conversion rate. So how many purchases there are or how many, you know, contact form submissions or booking form submissions there are to sort of see the context because, you know, you might not getting, be getting that much website traffic, but if the traffic that is coming, to your website if they're all buying something or all um you know booking you know sessions with you that is a success even if yeah, your traffic yeah. is not as high as you think it should be 100
0: percent. and i think that's a really really good demonstration of how you know all this to ter- talk about search engine optimization and copywriting actually translates to the bottom line. So essentially, if your website is being found by the right people and then those right people are being exposed to the right messages on your website, you're going to start seeing people staying on your page, people finding out a little bit more about your business and ultimately people you know, picking up the phone or filling in a contact form or purchasing, if you sell online, from your business. And that's what it's all about. But, you know, as I say, probably every single day of my life, if nobody knows about your business, they yeah. can't buy from your business. And this is, this is one of the ways where you can get your website in front of a person who is searching for what you sell. Yeah, so if someone's 100%. search, if you're a financial planner and someone's putting in the words financial planner near me or financial planner, Sydney or Port Macquarie or whatever, you want your website to be coming up. And that's why this, this optimization of your copy and of your website is, is really important. The other marketing, you know, will, will help build your brand and it will help yeah. It will help people actually drive, you know, ultimately if your other marketing's working, they're going to just come to Google and put your your business name straight yes. into the Google search yep. term.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's
0: what we try and do with all of your other marketing is, is, is not leave it to chance, you know, but there's plenty of people who do leave it to chance and who are just searching and so you want to make sure that your website's coming up in that. So that's some yeah. really, really good tips there. Now, if a listener would like to connect with you, Remy, how can they best find you?
1: So I do a lot of um, tips and tricks for SEO copywriting on my Instagram. So my handle is at Remy Audette Copywriter. Um, so that's R-E-M-I-A-U-D-E-T-T-E copywriter. Or they can find me on my website, www.remyaudetcopywriter.com.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of those great tips, Remy. Uh, Really appreciate it. Thank you. Good to chat. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the How To Do Marketing Show. Hey, if you're really enjoying these episodes and feel like they are helping you become a better marketer, head into your podcast app and hit subscribe. That way you won't miss an episode and the marketing goodness will just keep flowing in. And if you know a small business owner who you think might also find this episode helpful or any of the other episodes helpful, please grab a screenshot of the episode and send it over to them. And of course, I always love to hear back from you in the form of ratings and review It uh, helps other businesses find the podcast and it also makes me smile. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, everybody, happy marketing.
1: You've been listening to another Morgan Media production.